Pastor Henry Horner and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to What's New. My name is Ed Peters. We continue today in Matthew chapter 11, moving on to verses 11 through 15. These verses continue to pay tribute to John the Baptist. Jesus began his defense of John with verse 7, telling the crowds that John was the one predicted by the prophet Malachi as the forerunner of the Messiah. Now, Jesus continues in today's verses, saying that there has never been a greater man than John the Baptist. Here are verses 11 through 15, and they read, I tell you this, never has there appeared on earth a mother's son greater than John the Baptist, and yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Ever since the coming of John, the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent men are seizing it. For all the prophets and the law foretold things to come until John appeared. And John is the destined Elijah, if you will but accept it. If you have ears, then listen. Here to bring us our study for today is Pastor Henry Harder. Jesus talks about his friend, John the Baptist. He said to the crowd, I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Matthew 11, verse 11. What kind of a person was John? Well, according to Jesus, he was the greatest. There had been many prophets before John, so what made John greater than any of them? Although many prophets had predicted the Messiah and his kingdom, none of the great prophets had had the privilege of seeing the king himself. 
From that standpoint, John had the greatest privilege. Furthermore, none of the great prophets before John had had the privilege of being the king's forerunner or preparer. Not only was John a prophet, he was also the subject of prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy. Although we can't be certain, perhaps this is what Jesus had in mind when he said of John, there has not risen anyone greater than John. So Jesus called John the greatest born of women until his time. Then Jesus said, Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now what does that mean? There is one great privilege that John the Baptist didn't have, which those who came after him had. John didn't experience the crucifixion of Jesus. He died before that great event. John never saw the real place of Jesus in redemptive history. He knew all about the sacrifices of the Old Testament, but he didn't know that Jesus came to die, that he came to be God's sacrifice for sin. The least person among the followers of Christ to come was, in that sense, greater than John. John was before the cross. We are after. That great event when the earth shook, when Jesus, the Lamb of God, cried, It is finished, John didn't see. John would never know how far the love of God would go to save humans. He knew about the coming Messiah judging sin and reigning, but he didn't know of the suffering Messiah dying for sin and being raised again to give all his own eternal life. In that sense, any believer after the cross is greater than the greatest of the prophets. We know more about God than Isaiah, Jeremiah, or John because we see God through the cross and all that that involves. You cannot see the true heart of God and his unconditional love apart from the cross, nor as clearly before the cross. So Jesus said that of all those who came before the cross, John was the greatest. He was the Savior's only forerunner, but he was only a pointer to the Savior. He never entered into the Savior's greatest act of love and mercy. He was the greatest signpost in the road of redemption. But he always pointed ahead. He could never point back. The least of us on this side of the cross have a greater view than did John. I come now to Jesus' strange words in chapter 11, verse 12. He says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men laid hold of it. Jesus came as promised king, and he offered a kingdom to his people. While much has been written and many theories advanced concerning these words, I suggest that Jesus referred to his own work of miracles and other works as the initial advance of the kingdom. But enemies of the kingdom were trying to destroy or usurp it. Even at Jesus' birth and shortly thereafter, the enemies of God had already tried to destroy the king. The imprisonment of John the Baptist was only another indication 
of the hostility of the enemies of Christ. There were many others that had already surfaced in the short time that Christ had been on earth. A violent struggle was being waged as Christ the King and the coming kingdom were being attacked. The materialistic and political Messiah hoped for by the Jews was also an attack on Christ's real kingdom. The religious leaders in the days of John and Jesus fiercely resisted what John and Jesus were trying to introduce. Those religious leaders did not want the kind of kingdom which Jesus was inaugurating. Anything that is genuinely godly will sometimes violently be opposed by a godless world. That is the nature of the case. One final comment about 1114. Jesus said to this crowd, If you are willing to accept it, he, that is John the Baptist, is the Elijah who was to come. Evidently, Jesus is saying that if the nation of Israel had accepted the message of John about the kingdom being at hand and the message of Jesus, then John would have fulfilled the promise of Elijah's return. Malachi, just before the close of the Old Testament, predicted Elijah's return. He quoted God as saying, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. The nation as a whole rejected Jesus as Messiah and Savior. So I take it that Elijah's return is still future. John himself denied that he was the returned Elijah. In these final words of this section is again the attitude that began since sin entered the human race, the opposition of a world to God and Christ. Abel was clubbed to death by Cain. That hostility has never ceased. God has sent his messengers to our world throughout its history, and this world has silenced them or killed them. God sent his truth, but man perverted it or refused it. God sent John the Baptist, and he was beheaded. God sent his son, and our world crucified him. That's why Jesus ends this section with the words, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus invited people then to hear him and respond. That invitation is still open. Instead of opposing the truth or ignoring it, which is the same, hear it and let it find root in your life. Oppose him or receive him. Those are the only two options. You cannot be neutral about Jesus. You're for him or against him. He who hears, let him choose. Why can't I live my life without losing it? Why can't I grow without pain? Why can't I live for you, Lord, without dying? There must be an easier way. There was no easier thing you could do. The cost of my
What's new is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Shafter, California, 93263, USA.